A lot of these young people actually grew up in a share environment, the Google, Amazon, that sharing place where you go to meet, you share space, that they're okay with that. Whereas the baby boomers ahead of me were not okay with that. Now you didn't share, you didn't have another person roommate with you. And so Joey now can go and get two more friends to live in his house and both pay rent and cover his mortgage. So if he doesn't want to pay the mortgage, he can get a roommate or roommates, which we have a bunch of them doing now, and they'll pay the mortgage for him. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Tony Ray Baker. And today we're digging through his strategy, what he's teaching others, how he's creating 20 plus millionaires, multimillionaires in his life, his goal to create 20 plus millionaires. He's well on his way. He's got a few more left. He's on the way. And today we're learning about how he's helping them become multimillionaires through real estate investing, the strategies that he's teaching them, and so much more. He's been in real estate for almost 30 years and shares a lot of knowledge with us. He also did quite a bit of lifestyle design in his life where he's created the opportunity, the ability for him to go to Europe for multiple long-term vacations a year. Really incredible. He lives in Arizona. He's able to travel the world based on his passive income from real estate and the way he built his real estate business. Really incredible stuff. You're going to learn a lot, especially if you're younger and maybe you're in your 20s and 30s, you're thinking about how can I get into real estate? Maybe I don't have all the money that I think I might need. Tony teaches you how he's teaching others to get into real estate, build passive streams of income, and so much more. So just hang on. You're going to learn a lot. I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor, and I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate, specifically multifamily and self-storage properties. If you'd like to learn more and potentially learn about investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, schedule a call with me, and I will look forward to speaking with you soon. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, if you don't mind, you guys, I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcasts ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see reviews, I get to see what you have to say, and I get to see that you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, we're going to get to it with Tony Ray Baker. Without any further ado, here we go. Tony, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my gosh, thanks for having me. I'm excited for our conversation. I think you have an awesome mission in real estate. For our listeners out there who don't know about any, anything about you and what you do, can you tell us about yourself, your background, and what your mission is? I love it. Yeah. Okay. So I started real estate in 1994. And my only goal back then was just to help people buy and sell houses. But I also had a goal to create a lifestyle that really was important to me. Uh, I had lost my best friend at a very early age. And it was a wake up call to me that we don't get tomorrow. That's, you know, that doesn't exist. And so I thought about all the things I wanted to do. And I, traveling was a big part of that and spending time with the people I really love. And so a real estate to me looked like that place I could go and create this business where my lifestyle, I would create this lifestyle and then fit the real estate business into the lifestyle, right? And which is kind of funny because everybody in real estate thought I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so like, no, no, no. 
You're going to work full time, knocking on doors. You're going to open the Coles directory. We didn't have cell phones, fax machines or anything cool like internet back then. So you're going to open up this big old printed book and you're going to, you're going to put your finger down and whoever you touch, you're going to call them and beg them to sell their house. And I hated everything about real <laughs> estate instantly. I almost quit. <laughs> so flash forward, I didn't give up. I kept building my business one person at a time by referral and with a great coach, Joe Stump, uh, at buyer for lonely. And I was able to take my vacations, which I've never taken less than six a year. And I, I always take a month in Europe, sometimes two months in Europe. Nice. And in order to do that, I had to learn a lot of different skills, which is how to leverage people and time and money and how to make that happen. So I could, you know, one month I remember I was in Greece and we sold nine houses while I was away in Greece for a month and out with some really cool people and realized that's really, that's really what life's about is to create revenue streams and different ways to have money working for you so that you can do things you want to do and not have to be at an office all day, every day. And I love it. Yeah. I love it. So the mission you're talking about, I'm slow to everything. It seems like I look back and go, (laughs) God, I'm so slow. (laughs) How did I think, how come that took so long? And I realized one day, if I knew now what I knew, you know, if I knew then what I know now, I would have 10 times more assets. And, you know, I'd probably be on a gigantic yacht floating around Europe. (laughs) (laughs) But there's no reason that young people cannot do what I did. I did it as a scrapper. I did it with no education. I didn't get to go to college. I worked two jobs my whole life in my 20s just trying to survive. And so I thought, hey, why why don't these kids know about this? And we're not teaching this kind of stuff. So I've made it my mission to uh, create multimillionaires with investment and to single family resident and teaching them how to leverage everybody else's money and time so they use as little of their own. And my goal is, is that I'll be dead in a casket and they're all, there'll be 20 or more of these multimillionaires standing around me saying, that guy got me here. And that's uh, what I think about and I dream about all day now is how to help these kids get there. And they're not kids, they're all adults, obviously, but they're 30-somethings, a lot of them. And it's so exciting to watch them and the light bulbs go off and especially in the last few years, the ones who have already started working with us, watching them, their equity grow so quickly and they're seeing the numbers and they're getting excited about what's going to happen when they retire at 50 or 45 or whatever they want. And yeah, so that's my mission now. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. And in order, I think, to educate you know folks in that topic, it gets into the details and everything is you probably need to understand some of the misconceptions that they may bring to the table when you first meet them. So what I want to lead to here is what do you come up against when you're talking with somebody who's just kind of getting started on this process? You want to turn them into one of your 20 plus people standing standing around your casket. <laughs> right. <laughs> what do you have to, what do you come up against when you're talking with them? Uh, typically, they think they have to have a lot more money than they need. And that's usually the barrier, the breakdown. I think that the media and even the real estate community preaches 20% down Mm -hmm. because everybody wants to avoid mortgage insurance. And I get that component of it, but my theory is get into the market as soon as you can. 
most wealth in this world was created by real estate. And you'll, you, that's just a, a stat that everybody you know, knows. And, and the fact that these young folks are all being, they're hearing that you have to have 20% down. That's not the truth. And, um, case in point, I just, we just helped a kid buy his third house and he's 32 years old and he just bought his third house for $400,000 and we got him in for 20,000 and wow. he won't pay any more money from then, from now on that asset will be paid off by other people. And that asset will double or triple before he retires. It'll be worth a million bucks and he will have spent 20. And I don't think there's a better investment ROI out there than that. <laughs> That's a pretty good one, right? No, it's, that is pretty good. But I want to dig deeper into the strategy and yeah. how that makes sense at a, at a portfolio level, how you make sure you don't get over leverage, right? Because that that is a risk. I'm all about using other people's money, but we also want to be wise with our strategy and our money and yep. you know, not overextend ourselves. So how do you go you know, down that path and handle that? So the first thing that we look at with, uh, we'll just, uh, we'll take a guy, we'll call him Joey. So Joey wants to buy a house. He wants to get in. So my goal with Joey is that Joey's not going to stay in the house for longer than two years. Joey understands that this house, he not he's not falling in love with it. He's not moving in for life, that this house is temporary for him. And so that way we can use the, and not violate federal loan laws, we can use owner-occupied lending. So we're going to move Joey in at three and a half percent on an FHA. One of the cool things in a hot market, we discovered we were doing, um, not a super hot market, but in a good market, we used rehab loans where nobody really wanted that $200,000 brick, three bedroom, two bath, but we were able to get the bank to pay for Joey's remodel. The bank paid for Joey's loan. Joey got in at three and a half percent. And when Joey took possession, he had a remodeled three and a half, two bed, you know, three bedroom, two brick, bath brick, right? So now Joey has a great property to live in for a couple of years with the roof over his head. And then there's other creative ways Joey can go. So one of our kids actually, a lot of these young people actually grew up in a share environment, a Google, Amazon, that sharing place where you go to meet, you share space, they, they're okay with that. Whereas the baby boomers ahead of me were not okay with that. Like you didn't share, you didn't have another person roommate with you. And so Joey now can go and get two more friends to live in his house and both pay rent and cover his mortgage. So if he doesn't want to pay the mortgage, he can get a roommate or roommates, which we have a bunch of them doing now, and they'll pay the mortgage for him. Then in two years, we move Joey. The roommates can stay in place. He could get a different long-term renter, um, or we can even add a third renter in if he's got two, which is what my one guy does every time he has two people in and he adds a third and they all get along and he moves into his next house. So you see his he's leveraging bank money and he's leveraging the money of the renters to pay off the asset he only invested in that house for 200,000 you know he invested 10 grand of his own money wow his house is in great condition because in the remodel we make sure Joey looks at for example HVAC and and major mechanicals and, and the roof and everything is going to last for 10 years hopefully then Joey moves into his next house and he starts over and he owner occupies. He stays there for two years and he can again choose to live there by himself. If he's making 
money and he doesn't want roommates or he could have roommates and we start again. So reality is, is that when we're younger, we are okay moving more. It's when we get older and more grounded that we don't want to move ever again. (laughs) So this is a great, when I realized this, it was like, ah, this is great for younger people because I went through this process. I just wasn't doing it the right way. I was buying the house, selling the house, buying the house. I made $20,000 when I sold my house. That was so exciting, <laughs> right? And I took it and put it into the next house, but I had nothing to show for this. Mm-hmm. I just kept getting rid of assets. And so it just dawned on me that we could do this differently. And so we can teach younger people to hang on to real estate, not move it, which we've done all in the past. And then it opens up so much at retirement or at whatever we I hate that word retirement, by the way. <laughs> it means to make something obsolete, right? You retire an old truck, you make it obsolete. We shouldn't retire people. People should not be made obsolete. So I don't know what the better word is, but if you think of it, you'll tell me. Um, but we follow a new passion. We move into a new place in our life, which we get to a point where everything's running, like me in real estate, my real estate produces the same amount. I can count on a little bit more every year. My systems are in place and I can count on that revenue stream. And so I'm in autopilot there. So I get to pursue my new passion. I'm not going to leave real estate because I love everything about real estate. It gets me to play like on this conversation with you today. So I'm going to now pursue a new passion. And the new passion for me is how do I, how do I help these folks become multimillionaires. How would that be cool legacy to leave a whole bunch of multimillionaires? And so that is also what happens to everyone. But instead they get into this thing called retire and they stop and they don't pursue passion. And the stats are that people die within seven years of the word retirement. And the reason is, is they're not needed. They don't, they're not following their passion. They're not, they don't have a purpose. So I hate that word. I'd like to abolish it from the dictionary. <laughs> no more retirement and uh, convince people to find a new purpose before they do that. Totally. I, I totally agree with you. And, and I'm glad you brought up the stat about people who retire earlier, die earlier. Totally true. And I, I agree that I think it's because they maybe don't have anything to live for. Maybe they don't feel needed anymore. I, I'm not really sure, but I think pursuing a passion is a lot more constructive than just trying to retire and, and sit on a beach. Now, yeah. I would imagine with this strategy, you know, we've seen changes over the last five to seven years, if you will, that things like Airbnb short-term rentals have gotten a lot more popular. Are your folks using short-term rentals at all in their strategy? I mean, what are you know, some considerations there? Both. Yeah, yeah, both. If it's the right property. So I have I have both. I have long-term and Airbnb. I We teach Airbnb, are one of uh, one of ours is one of the most successful in Tucson. But remember that unless you buy an Airbnb, a fully furnished property, which is not typical in my community, fully furnished has not been typical. Now more Airbnb owners are have come in, so they'll sell more of those are being sold. Those are coming around fully furnished, but we weren't that market in the past. So so that was an investment because you got to spend 30000 up front to stock the Airbnb, right? Furnishings and spoons and everything <laughs> you need to have a, a super host Airbnb. And there's VRBO, of course. I'm just going to stay focused on the one name. But so we teach our folks, hey, you, 
you can buy one already ready to go. If you can grab one of those, great. Now you've leveraged even more money. Again, they bought that furnishings, right? And you're leveraging their Airbnb stats already. If they've got a good Airbnb stat as a super host already, you're buying into a business, which is great. But I think diversification is huge. I, you know, when we saw COVID hit, uh, many of the Airbnbs in Tucson, Arizona were shut down. Lots of people panicked and wanted to sell them because uh, they were over uh, extended. They couldn't afford to pay their own mortgage payment and bills and ha and have not have that one paid. And then as COVID went, we all of a sudden we discovered more and more people wanted Airbnbs in Tucson. And I'm guessing across the board because they were safer and not have to come into contact with all these people in a hotel. Mm -hmm. That was a very interesting dynamic. And then we saw the boom of people buying second and third homes everywhere to hide away from other people. <laughs> but I like diversification because I, I have Airbnb in long term, but I can tell you the Airbnb makes more money, but it's a lot more of my time and attention, even with all the automation I have on it and everything set up to take care of itself. I still have to pay more attention to Airbnb than I do my long terms. So if my Airbnb were to crash because of some crazy thing that happens, you know, next year the pickle virus hits and then everybody, you know, that goes on and no one can travel again, even by car, for example, then my Airbnb may not be doing well, but I'm okay because my long terms are still doing. So I like both and I help explain that to our folks. And if we have one right now, young couple, they're, they have the money to create their first Airbnb. So they're super excited and they're putting in their first Airbnb. And then they're moving into a rehab home. They're going to, they're going to get instant equity from sweat equity. So they're leveraging that. And then we're going to leave, keep them there for a couple of years and move them again. Does That's that great. answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, my concern, if you will, about Airbnb investing is almost exclusively tied around the regulatory aspect in that cities, yeah. towns, municipalities. <laughs> can kind of decide at a whim, this is illegal now and there's nothing you can do about it. And they, yeah. we still see people kind of skirt the laws. You got to figure you're going to get busted eventually, right? But it, the reality is that the rules can change kind of quickly. How do you think about that in your Airbnb strategy? Yeah, so I'm okay. We, I, I'm just getting ready. I'm getting another one ready right now. But uh, the, the risk and the reward for Airbnb they're big, right? You you really clear a lot more money with a super host Airbnb than you would on a long-term rental. The reality is um, I can easily, if our governor, which he, our governor just passed another, I just saw the email today actually to stop people from, from trying to stop Airbnb, which is great for our state. So we're good for a while again, but if they shut it down, I would just move out the furniture, <laughs> mm -hmm. go long-term rental. My asset's still the same. I still got a great asset and I would go long-term rental. And if Airbnb came back, I could pop it back up. There's other reasons for me to have these. Again, my Airbnb, a lot of times when I have a client coming in from another city or country, we do a ton of relocation, my team. And one of the things we do is we're able to put them, if our Airbnb is available, put them in our Airbnb for mm, a week and while nice. we show them property. And it's a concierge service to be able to help them not worry about something like that, right? 
So that's like another, re- and I can use that Airbnb as a tax write-off for clientele and stuff like that. I can do other things with that Airbnb. The, the cool thing about real estate is remember, we never lose our investment. It's always sitting there on that dirt, unless you live in maybe Tornado Alley or something. <laughs> that's true. But spin away. <laughs> yeah, it should be Tucson's, insured. Yeah, Tucson's super uh, low maintenance as far as a city. We don't have much. <laughs> Tornadoes, fires, floods, none of that stuff. We get good rain and that's it. Low odds that your asset is going to just evaporate or disappear and hopefully you have it insured. But I like that you have multiple options in this strategy because I see folks sometimes buying Airbnbs where the cash flow only works as an Airbnb. And if that Airbnb opportunity goes away, then they definitely need to sell it because it's not going to work as a long-term rental. But you've got other options. Yeah, there's other ways to use that Airbnb. And isn't everything about just education. I mean, that's why you're here. You're reaching out to other people with other new ideas to educate the public, which is super admirable thing to do. Thank you. And yeah, it is. And the reality is where that's where my mission came to be to make multimillionaires, because I realized if I had, if someone had told me I only needed three and a half percent and I could buy any house that I qualified for, or that I can even buy a rehab and let them pay for the rehab and make it my way. Those are some cool things. I can buy a house or a rehab house. How awesome is that? No one told me. I was told I had to have 20%. You never pay mortgage insurance. And I had to save every penny. Well, that didn't work out for me. I wasn't a good, I was not good at saving money in any way. (laughs) Really good at spending it. So real estate for me became very obvious as a great way to save money. And Understanding too, as a real estate agent, we don't get a pension, a dollar donation to our retirement fund. We get nothing. We're mm-hmm. self-employed. And that was another thing that dawned on me about pursuing my passion of wanting to travel through Europe 90 days at a time in, in instead of 30 days at a time, uh, would be setting up and leveraging the team so that I could be away longer and then having revenue streams like real estate that is producing rental income. My goal is, you know, that all all I have to do is all my houses are paid off and the renters just send checks and I know how much I get to play with. (laughs) Besides my stock or SEP investments and stuff like that, which I honestly don't count on. (laughs) It's It's wise. It's not. Yeah, right. (laughs) But it's another piece of that puzzle. So... (laughs) Nice. Well, I love the the lifestyle design aspect of the way you went at it. And I like that you said the 90 days, because that's the maximum you can do on a tourist visa. At least it was back in the day. It must still be in the Schengen zone, I guess. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think it still is, but I I think that's my, that's always been my goal was 90 days at a time because it's, it's, a, it's doable without missing home, without mm-hmm. getting, I think a little, I, I, for me, 30 days is not enough. I've got, I've grown into 30 days and I get antsy. So I've discovered the last 10 trips to Europe. I never stayed 30 days. I always found a way to manipulate a plane to another country and stay another week. And just, just to see if we like that other country. So I always convince my friends, okay, we got to go. Let's just go to Germany and just see if we like it for a a couple of days before we fly home. (laughs) So I realized my, out of that, I need more than 30 days. <laughs> and I've never come back on the flight I was supposed to. <laughs> so, wow. I love yeah. that. 
Appreciate all the lessons so far. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Tony, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show, are you ready? I think I am. (laughs) Great. Okay. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Well, definitely real estate, uh, specifically single family resident homes, because even when the market crashed, they still produced two revenue streams of income, even at the worst, when the when the housing market was involved in 2008, the equity still grew in both of those and the renters still paid the mortgage. So those were my best. I always say real estate, best investment. Nice. So I, I love that you gave a couple of examples too and you know brought us back to the, the real estate crash, which I'm sure was was rather painful, but you still made it through and that's great to hear. Yeah. And our and houses, all of our houses still made money. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So we had the best investment. <laughs> now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. <laughs> what is the worst yeah. investment you ever made? I was super invested in procrastination and I know. <laughs> <laughs> in my 20s, that was the worst thing I ever did. In my 30s, it, I, I was just coming out of that procrastination. And I had talked to you earlier about this, but if I had taken my career more seriously in my 30s and not procrastinated and learned more about a real estate and investment, my assets would be at least a minimum of 10 times more than they are today. Again, I'm a, I, I, I look back at my life and I'm like, oh, I was always kind of a slow guy. I was steady like a turtle, I always, but it's still slow. And I procrastinated. I'd, I'd stop a lot and eat carrots and lettuce on, you know, I just, I just <laughs> never, I, I procrastinated too much, but that's okay. I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. And, uh, but that was my dumbest investment was procrastination. That's a big one for a lot of successful real estate investors in particular. They'll say, if I, I wish I would have tried a little bit earlier, I wish I would have done something, gone a little harder early on. If I knew back then what I know now, then I'd be in a great <laughs> position, but you know, right. Yeah, yeah, I'm with them. I'm with them. <laughs> My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? For me, two things, focusing on leveraging other people's money and banks money. That's one of them. And then when I got into my head that I needed more than real estate as my revenue stream, when I started realizing that real estate goes up and down and the markets change, I got focused on how do I get other revenue streams, even small to large, it doesn't matter. But the two things now that I realized the most important for me is leveraging and revenue streams. And now that's extended into how to help others use uh, leveraging like 203k rehab loans or FHA money or renters or whatever. So definitely those are my two um, most important lessons. I had to, that took me way too long to get to those two. No, those are great. <laughs> those are awesome ones. And you I didn't you... understand them. I didn't get leveraging. I just thought it was a cool word by Warren Buffett or I don't know. I just never picked up on it. I was still that turtle. 
Well, Once I got know, it. Yeah. <laughs> Warren has, we have something Warren doesn't have in that we can leverage our investments for up to 30 years, but you can't do that in the stock market. I don't think even Warren Buffett can get money that long term that you can pay back over, over that long of a stretch. But I want to thank you so much for joining us today. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to track you down, they want to learn more about real estate in Tucson or what you're up to creating 20 plus millionaires, where can they track you down? <laughs> Yeah. So uh, for legal purposes, I have to say um, I'm with Remax Select in Tucson, Arizona, and my name's Tony Ray. My number is 520-631-8669. My website is called ctucsonhomes.com, S-E-E to C with homes. Yeah, that's how you can find me. If you type in Tony Ray Baker, you're going to get 15 pages. You'll find me. (laughs) (laughs) It's you. Yeah. Yeah. You're easy to track down. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Once again, to everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.